You know, I wasn't going to teach in this subject for a while. Actually, taught on something similar about, well, the beginning of last year. But I really feel the need to talk on it again because I'm hearing some stuff, guys, especially in social media. Crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Especially over the anniversary of the Holocaust. Hearing all kinds of stuff the way, like things like, how can you serve a God who allowed millions of people to be slaughtered? How can you serve a God like that? Why did God not do something? Why did God not intervene and do something when, when all those atrocities were happening? Then things go different directions, and off the back of that, you're hearing stuff like, well, why does God allow sickness? Why does God allow disease? Why does God let Jenny wreck her foot and trample in? Why? But no, but why? Why why is God letting babies die? Why is God allowing abortion, stillbirths? Why is God allowing or permitting natural disasters right across the world that's killing hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people? So I thought I needed to talk this subject again and address some issues again, which isn't a bad thing. Because it's good to know the truth, isn't it? What's the truth do? Amen. So we've got to ask ourselves in this life, what's God responsible for in this life? What, what's God responsible? What's his responsibilities to us as the human race? What's, what's God's responsibilities to us as, as his people who are called according to his purpose? And I believe a lot of people are missing the truth. And because they're missing the truth, they're missing all the things that God wants to do in their lives. Because they're, 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 there's this misunderstanding surrounding this topic. Because we're asking God to do stuff for us that God has told us to do for ourselves. I'll say it again. We are asking God to do stuff for us in our lives that God has told us to do for ourselves. You see, there's certain things that God is supposed to do for us, yes. But there's also certain things that we are supposed to do for ourselves. Say amen, church. Amen. And because we can't differentiate, like that word? Differentiate between the two, this brings confusion. And this is one of the ploys of the devil. See, we've got to learn what's from God in this world, in this life. Scripture says, submit to God, Resist Satan, and he'll flee. Submit to God, resist Satan, and he'll run away. So there's some things that are from God, and there are some things that are from Satan, and we are the ones that has to work out which is which. Some things are from God, some things are from Satan, and we got to work out which is which. But somewhere along the line, as Christians, we, we've got all confused and all cluffled. Somehow we believe that because God loves us and we're called according to his purpose, then somehow bad things shouldn't happen to us. And when bad things happen to us, we blame God. Rather than blame the devil, we blame God. And sometimes whenever we know that the devil is doing bad things in our lives, we blame God anyway because somehow we believe that God let Satan do it. 
Either way, God gets to blame for the bad things that happens in our lives and in our family's lives. You see, we either submit to God or we submit to the devil. There's no gray area. We either submit to God or we submit to the devil. And today, I want to talk about the authority that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And you need to get this right in your head today because maybe you're going to have to correct some people who've got stinking thinking as well. I've got some things I want to say to you here this morning that will completely change and transform your life if you let God do it. Now, did you know, I've always said this in this church, but I'll say it again. Did you know that God doesn't control everything in your life? He just doesn't. Somehow along the way, they, 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 they've taken this, this word sovereign and they've put this religious connotation on the word sovereign and they've blew it completely out of proportion. God does not control everything that goes on in your life. Whoa, there's a revelation for you. Now, what I'm going to talk about here today might offend some of you. And if I purposely set out to offend some of you, then, I, then I'm a bad person and I really need to like, relook at my vocation. But if I offend you because I'm telling you the truth, and it's the truth that's offending you, well, that's your problem. And you've got to sort that out uh, uh, in and among yourselves. In Jesus' name. I want to come against a statement. And I used this statement the last time I spoke about this as well because the statement's still the same. And this is a statement that is destroying so many Christians right across our nation. Here's the statement. Everything that happens in your life is ordered and ordained by our sovereign God. Nothing can happen unless God wills it to happen. And whatever happens, it's kesara, sarah, what will be, will be because God is in control. That's the statement. There are people that God, the people that think that God just controls everything and that nothing can happen without God saying, yes, I will allow that to happen. If you're talking about a healing, some people say, God, if it's your will, heal me. Or if it's your will, heal that person. I heard some guy stand up in a prayer meeting. and We were praying for a little baby who had cancer. And he stood up and he says, God, if it's your will, heal that baby. And I'm like, do you even know the Bible? And then they just flow, and then they, and then they just sit back and wait and see if it's God's will for them to be well or not. They pray and they put out fleeces, and they just believe that God just supernaturally controls everything. And if they're trying to get a job, or they're trying to get a house, or they're trying to get a girlfriend, or they're trying to get a boyfriend, or they're trying to get a promotion, and it doesn't happen, and they don't get it, they automatically say, oh, well, that mustn't have been God's will for your life. God is going to have something better for you. This is what they say. There's more Christians that believe that God just controls everything, and nothing happens unless God says it can happen. That God has to allow things to happen. And then they tell us, even if it's not God's perfect will, that God has to gain permission from the enemy, from Satan, before he can do anything in your life. That's probably the dominant doctrine that the majority of Christians subscribe to these days. And in my opinion, that is the worst heresy in the body of Christ today. Why? Because it totally neutralizes faith. Completely neutralizes 
faith. You might as well take scriptures like the one that I just read there, James 4, 7. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. You might as well just rip that out of the Bible and throw it into the bin. If God is the one who controls everything, if nothing can, can happen without God's permission, and that somehow he always works things together for good, then there's no reason to submit to some things and to resist other things because sure, then it's all God anyway. If you really believe that, then what's the point of going to see a doctor? What's the point of going to see a doctor to get well if God is the one who put the sickness on you in the first place? If God's trying to teach you something. If it's his will that you're sick, then you're resisting God when you try and get well. If you really believe that God is the source of everything, then you just ought to let sickness run its course. Just let poverty run its course because you couldn't do it if it wasn't God's will. See, this kind of teaching and thinking is wrong, wrong, wrong on every level. And one of the things it does is it makes you like a robot to where you're not in control of your own life. You're just sitting back and going along with whatever will be, will be. Case or ass or ass. Sure, it doesn't really matter. You have no control and you have no authority. And there's a Bible full of scriptures that disprove that. Listen to what it says in 2 Peter 3.9. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some kind of slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Get this bit, ready? Not willing. Say not willing. That any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, I don't know how you can get it any, in any clearer language than that. Even from an Irish man who speaks too fast. It's not God's will for a single person to perish and go to hell. It's his will that everybody be saved. John chapter 2 verse 2 says, And he himself is the propitiation or however you say that word, for our sins, and not for ours also, but also for the whole world. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Romans 10, 13. Whoever or the whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It makes it clear that Jesus died for everybody, not just a select few. He died for everybody. And then it summarizes by saying, it is not God's will for a single person to perish. That's God's will. That's his will. Yet Jesus Christ himself said that more people will go to hell than heaven. So Jesus himself said that God's will doesn't always automatically come to pass. You can't argue with that. It's God's will for every person to be saved, yet they're not. So it doesn't automatically come to pass. Now, yes, God's made provision and it's his will that every person be saved. But he gives us a choice. God would never violate your free will. You cannot make a person get saved. You cannot force a single human being to get saved. God will protect an individual's free will all the way to hell and defend their right to go there. Nobody can force another person to get saved. Now, there's many things here, but... All of them is saying that God's will doesn't automatically come to pass. If that were the case, then Adam and Eve would never have eaten of the tree. Some people in here, or even those people watching online, wherever you are in the world, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that it's God's will for everyone to be saved? Put up your hand. Now, is everyone saved? 
No. So if there's one thing that God does not absolutely control and make come to pass, then that doctrine that God absolutely controls everything is flawed. You see, it's either all true or it's not true. God does not control everything that goes on in your life. He wants to, but you got to let him. And you know, there's, there's a reason why so many people embrace this teaching. It's because it's convenient. Because it's really nice to look at whatever happens in your life, whatever your circumstances, and say, well, God must have a purpose in this. That must have been God's will. If somebody is born with some kind of birth defect or something like that, we blame God. Rather than recognize that we live in a sin-rotten, fallen world, we blame God. It's, it's an easy way to cope with it, isn't it? If we just say, well, God's ways are higher than our ways. God, God works in mysterious ways. God, God must have some, some purpose in this. You know, I've gone to funerals where people have just sat around and said, we don't know why. Why God took this person. They just assume that when a person dies, that because God knows the beginning from the end, they just assume that when a person dies, God's got your date marked in his calendar with a big circle. And when you reach that date, you're going to die uh, according to what God's will for your life is. That, that's not what it says. It's not what it says. Richard, if I put a gun to your head and pull the trigger, you're gone. You're dead, whether God wants you dead or not. That's my choice, not God's. God doesn't control all of these kinds of things in your life. God is not the one that does this. People just assume that God just controls it. You've got you to remember, God warned Adam and Eve not to eat of that tree in the garden. For if they did, they would die. He warned us against death. We are the ones who chose death, not God. We are the ones. We are the ones that started all of this, this corruption. We are the ones that started all of these destructive things. God does not control everything that happens in your life. Now, let me give you a scripture that everyone quotes. This is crazy. I put a wee post out online, and, 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 and some people actually quoted this, 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 this scripture. Non-Christians will even quote this scripture. It's Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to them who are called according to his purpose. People will quote that. They'll quote it. Pastors will quote this scripture. At the funeral of my nephew Craig, the pastor got up. I wanted to beat him, but I didn't. He got up and he says, we don't know why God caused this to happen. We don't know why God did this. We don't know why God is calling this young 19-year-old boy home. We don't understand, but God had a purpose. And we know that God is going to work it together for his good. What a little crock. The truth is, my nephew killed himself because he owed money to some dangerous people. So he went out and he willfully climbed a tree. Knowingly and on purpose, he put the rope around his neck, and knowingly, he jumped. But let me just say some things here. If you weren't poisoned by religion, nobody in their right mind would think that God did that. Nobody in their right mind would blame God for killing Craig, especially when he was the one who put the rope around his own neck. 
If you hadn't have been told all of your life that God just controls everything, you would not get that out of this scripture. You have got to be polluted. You've got to be brainwashed to be able to get that out of that scripture. Now, <clears throat> look at verse 28. It says, and we know. Now, the first word is it starts with and. The word and is a conjunction. It means that verse is, is, is connected to the previous statement. The previous statement says this. Are you follow me so far? Praise the Lord. Previous statement says this. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should ought to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. It goes on to talk about the intercession of the Holy Ghost. And if you study out in the Greek, the Greek word there for helps our infirmities, I'm not even going to try and pronounce it, but it's a word that means take hold together with us. It means the Holy Ghost takes hold together against whatever infirmity we are going through. Now the infirmity is it's beyond, it's beyond sickness. It's be, the, the Bible says that we don't know what, what we should pray for as we, as, as we ought to know, but we receive help from the, from the Holy Ghost because oftentimes uh, in, in our human ability, we fall short of knowing how to approach our infirmities. Isn't that right? But it's when we start interceding, when we start seeking God, when we start striving to see success, then the, the Holy Ghost supernaturally helps us. It's not you doing it without the Holy Ghost. It's not the Holy Ghost doing it without you. But when you start doing what's right, when you start seeking God, when you start resisting the devil, then the Holy Ghost will supernaturally energize that. And the significance of all this is it doesn't work without your cooperation. You can't just sit back and say, okay, sirrah, sirrah, what will be, will be. You've got to start something. You've got to initiate something. But when you start believing God, when you start interceding, when you start praying, <laughs> when you start praying, thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then the Holy Spirit will supernaturally energize your prayer. I don't know how people can take this scripture and apply it to people who take their own lives or to people who die while drink driving or to my nephew and say, well, all things work together for good. My nephew wasn't interceding in the Holy Ghost. My nephew wasn't working together and taking hold together with him. We apply this to everything and anything that God just sovereignly moves. That's not what the Word is telling us. It starts by saying, and. In other words, if these other things have happened, like we said last, last week, it's conditional. If you're operating in the power of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost is interceding through you, then you can say that God works these things together for good. But notice from this verse, it doesn't say, and we know that all things come from God, but that's how people interpret it. People take that and they say, well, there it is right there. Nothing happens without God wanting it to happen. It doesn't say that. It doesn't blame God for the source of negative things. But if a person is interceding and letting the, the Holy Ghost work on the inside, then God can take things that come our way, that come along our path, whether it's just normal or whether it's demonic or, or whether it's just you, and, and God can turn it around for his glory. You know, we sit here and we think the devil's so bad. 
We sit and we think the devil's so bad and the devil's got so many ways and, uh, that he can chip us up. Let me tell you something. I think some of the things we do surprise even him. It's the Holy Ghost. I think sometimes Satan's watching us taking notes because of the stuff, the way, the way we're messing up our lives, that he doesn't even, doesn't even think of those things. Sometimes it's not the devil messing up your life. Sometimes it's just you. There's different reasons why things happen, but regardless of whether it's a devil or whether it's you, God can work it together for good. That, that, that doesn't mean that God's the author of it. That doesn't mean that God's the cause of it. I heard some guy speaking a while ago there from Romans. He's talking about, you know that guy, Usman Khan? He stabbed those two students in London Bridge in November. And this guy was preaching. And he says, he says I don't know why God caused this to happen. We don't know, but we do know that God is working it together for good because God had some purpose in there. I'm telling you, church, I was raging. I wanted to jump up and take his mic off him and beat him with it. I was furious, livid, because my father is not the one who caused that to happen. He's not the one that caused that man to do that thing that he did. My God did not do that. God does not cause all of these things. God is not the author of the tragedy. God is not the one who's making babies deformed and doing all of these kinds of things. And if you believe that this morning, then there's a number of things that's wrong with you. And one of them is you will have a totally wrong perspective of the true nature and character of God. Do you see if I could do all the things that God's blamed of doing, I'd be the most wanted man in the universe. They blame God for everything. They even put God in their contracts and call it an act of God. Do you know where they get that from? The church. They get that from the church because that's what the church has been teaching for years and years and years. The world blames God for every natural disaster saying that God did this or God did that because we took God out of our skills. So this is God's punishment. This is God's hand of judgment upon the country. And we're blaming God for killing thousands of people in natural disasters right across the world. And we're saying God did that. God's the one. Who, God didn't do that. Our Heavenly Father didn't do that. God is not the one who inspired that man to kill those two students. God didn't do that. And if you believe that, then you've got the wrong impression of God. And that is going to hinder your relationship with him. The Bible says that faith works by love. Everybody say love. If you think that a loving God did all of these things and causes all the deformity and every time there's a, there's a stillbirth or, or a miscarriage or, or a car crash or there's a cancer or there's anything, if you believe that God is the source of that, then I guarantee you, you will not have a very active love relationship with a God like that. You might serve a God like that out of fear, but you're not going to be operating in love. Remember, faith works by love. Galatians 5 verse 6. And that's going to hinder you receiving from God. It's critical that you understand this church that we have got a loving God who is not the author of all of these kinds of things. If you're here today, for instance, and you've got a sickness in your body and you believe this doctrine, then you're double-minded. 
Because on the one hand, you're saying, God, please heal me of this sickness. But yet on the other hand, you believe nothing can happen without God saying so. So you tell me how you can ask and pray and ask God to heal you when you believe it was God that gave you the sickness in the first place. That's double-mindedness. James 1.7 says that a double-minded person will not receive anything from God. So James 4.7, it says that you've got to resist the devil and he'll flee. Everybody say resist. Say it with some conviction. That's better. Bless you. See, the word resist means to fight against with everything you've got. To fight against with everything you've got. We're not raising a generation of fighters. We're raising a generation of offended people. Oh, you're offending me. Man up. We have to resist the enemy. Saying stuff like, dear devil, please leave me alone today because, you know, I'm having a really hard day, and if you come against me, I'm just not going to be able to cope, so just please leave me alone today. Or even saying stuff like, God, please make the devil leave me alone today because I can't cope because I'm having a bad day, and I can't get my hair to sit, and my shoes don't fit. That's not going to work either because God has told you that you have got the power to resist the devil yourself. It says resist the devil and he will flee from you. You got to get angry at the devil. There's sometimes I'm up here and I'm preaching and I get angry and some people think I'm angry at you. No, I love you guys. I get angry at the devil. Say amen. You know, God has given us this capacity for anger. It's a God-given capacity. Everybody has got the capacity for anger. Isn't that right, ladies? <laughs> Just saying. See, sometimes we think that all of anger is sin. Because of how we direct anger. We direct anger at people. We're not supposed to be angry at people. The Bible says we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not supposed to be angry at people. That's a negative. That is sin. It's not people who's your problem. But we do have this capacity for anger. And we're not supposed to be angry at you guys. We're supposed to be angry at the devil. With all the sin and all the darkness that's in the world. See, the Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is to hate evil. There's certain things that you're supposed to hate. It's not your husband. There's certain things you're supposed to hate. Romans 12, 9 says, abhor what is evil. There's things that you are supposed to abhor. And we're made in the image of God. And do you know what? God is a just God, and there's things that God hates. He says, these things do I hate, yea, seven of them are an abomination to me. We are made in God's image and we have got this capacity for hatred and this capacity for anger. If you don't hate babies being killed, 
If you don't hate abortion, if you don't hate immorality, if you don't hate sin, if you don't hate the things that you're supposed to hate, then you're going to hate the things that you don't need to hate because it's in your nature. There's got to be something that's evil for us to hate because that's the way we've been made. There's this innate, innate desire to hate those things which are evil and to love those things which are good. But mankind and society and politically correctness has changed all the rules. So if killing babies is no longer wrong, and in the eyes of society, it's not wrong. If immorality is no longer wrong, and in the eyes of society, it's not wrong, then we have to end up hating something, so we end up hating KFC or McDonald's. We end up hating fast food and fatty foods. We set laws for ourselves not to eat sweets, and we set laws like counting calories to lose weight, to look this good. Come on, church. So we say we're not going to eat chocolate, we're not going to eat sweets. You're going to hate people who shoot birds and catch fish for fun. You're going to hate people who cut down trees and kill animals for food. You're going to, you're going to hate something because the hate's in your nature. So you're going to allow people to kill babies in the womb. But don't you dare kill that cow and get that big fat juicy steak. Don't you dare wear that fur coat or carry that leather handbag. What kind of evil, inhumane person are you? But you can abort your babies and that's okay. It's a perversion. You're going to hate something, and if you don't hate what God hates, whatever you hate is going to be wrong. So God has given us this capacity for anger. And we're supposed to be angry, but we're supposed to be angry at the devil. See, when it says to resist the devil, it means to fight him with everything that you've got. It means you've got to get an attitude. Ever had an attitude with somebody? Ever see teenagers with an attitude? Don't do that. Or what? Make it put that down. No. You gotta get attitudes with the enemy and not put up with the stuff he puts in your life. If you believe that everything is of God, then it pacifies you. Because if you were to fight sickness, if you were to fight disease, if you were to, to fight depression and say, I'm not gonna bow down to you, depression. I'm not going to bow down to you, sickness. I refuse to be controlled by you. You start talking to God, then you're going to get angry at it. You're going to get angry at it. And you're supposed to get angry at depression. You're supposed to get angry at sickness and disease. You're supposed to get angry at those things. But if you believe that God controls everything, then how do you know that God didn't cause a depression? How do you know it's God not punishing you for something if he's trying to humble you or make you a better person? If you think that God had a hand in it, then you can't truly fight against it with all of your heart, lest you end up fighting against God. How can anybody get confused with that? I don't know where to get it from. If you believe that God is the source of everything, then there's no point resisting anything. Therefore, that scripture... Resist the enemy, the devil, and he'll flee from you. Shouldn't even be in the word of God. Then there's some people who believe that God has got Satan on a lead. Please. And that Satan's got to go and ask God's permission before he can do anything in our lives. That's not what the word of God says. 
What the word is, so what, the, what that's saying is, all of your problems, even the demonic ones, is all of God. If God controls everything and somehow you've got a cancer in your body, then either God gave you the cancer himself or God allowed the devil to give you the cancer. If you really believe that, you've become passive. And the truth is, most people who promote this don't really believe it themselves. They believe it selectively. They believe it when it suits them. They believe it when they just can't bear the thought of saying, you know what, God, I messed up. They'd prefer, 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 they'd prefer just to palm it off on God and say, well, God works in mysterious ways. It's a cop-out, church. Everybody say cop-out. Am I talking too fast? No, then everybody say cop-out. Thank you. <laughs> Saying things like it was God's will that my nephew killed himself because God wanted some good out of that. That's just sick. It's just sick. Only religious people would ever fall for that. Nobody would ever fall for that otherwise. So Romans 8 says, and we know that links it to the intercession. It doesn't say that God caused it. It only says that God would work it together for good. Get this, to those who love God. So that actually limits the amount of people that this scripture is actually going to work for because not everybody loves God. For you just to look outside and see Joe Bloggs out there in the street and say, oh, well, 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 God is going to work all that together for good. That's just wrong. Because it depends on whether or not you're letting the Holy Ghost intercede through you and to whether or not you love God. Then it's got another qualification. It says, to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Now, what's the purpose of Jesus? 1 John 3 verse 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus' purpose was to come into this world to destroy the works of the devil. So... If you're not trying to destroy the works of the devil, if you're not resisting the devil, then it's not going to work together for good for you. doesn't matter how often you quote the scripture, it's not going to work for you. If you're surrendering to the devil, if you're opening up your arms and, and, then, and then you're saying, come on devil, come on into my life, take your best shot, it doesn't matter what you do, God's got you on a lead, and whatever you do, God is going to turn it around for his glory. If that's your thinking, boy, are you in for a shock. If you embrace the devil rather than resist him, it's not going to work together for good. You got to be resisting the devil. You got to love God. You got to be operating in the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, if you're doing all of these things, it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at you. Because then God's going to work it together for good. You can start to rub, the, rub Satan's nose in it. Great passage of scripture. What it's saying is, if you do all of these things, seeking God and the power of the Holy Ghost is working on the inside of you, then whatever the, the devil wants to do in your life, God will take that negative and turn it into a positive. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that God is the source of it. It doesn't mean that God is the cause of the problem. If you believe that, then you become passive and you're just prey for the devil. 1 Peter 5, 8 says that your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion goes about, seeking whom he may devour. Now, Satan can't devour everybody. If it were up to the devil, all of us would be destroyed. 
All of us would be sick and in, and in need and in want and poor. We, 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 we'd all be screwed completely. Can I say that word? Don't know. Oh, well. Jesus loves me. Satan cannot destroy everybody. He can't. But one of the things that allows Satan to get into our lives is this doctrine that nothing can happen without God saying so. So church, that just gives Satan free pass to your life and to your family. That allows him to enter into your camp, into your house, because you believe that God just controls him and, and that nothing can happen without God saying, yes, let it happen. So you drop your defenses. You open up your gates. After all, nothing can come in unless God wills it. So you don't have any guard up. You don't put any fences up. You don't rebuke anything or fight against anything because everything is God's will. How thick can you get? These are those of you watching online, not in here. And I know there's many people maybe watching, even in here, and you're thinking of the scripture, well, Pastor, what about patience? Because, you know, tribulation works patience. So people take that from James 1. They also get a familiar thing from Romans 5. And it says, well, if you want patience and all of these kinds of things, then the only way you can grow in your patience is through your trials and your tribulations. And, and through that, God prunes you. And, and, and God does all, all, all of these kinds of things. Church, listen to me. If troubles caused people to be better, then the people who have suffered the most would be the holiest and the best. And that's just not the case. Scripture says in Romans 15, 4, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. So patience comes through the Word of God. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, it is true, until you've got a problem where you get to exercise your patience, your patience is not going to fully develop. I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to say that you're not going to have any trouble in the world. But if you take what God has taught you and you apply that to your life, then you're going to be better off. But only if you fight against those problems. If you give in to those problems, then you're not going to be better off. And some of you are probably thinking, well, pastor, what about when God gave Miriam leprosy? God did that. You're saying if it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's the devil. Some people are saying God gave Miriam leprosy. God sent the death angel and killed 186,000 people in one night. Deuteronomy 28 says that God will smite you with the bots and with mildew and with emeralds and blasting. And you're saying God doesn't do all this kind of stuff? Church, let me tell you, the Old Testament is full, full of examples of God smiting people with all kinds of stuff. But I defy you to find me an instance when it was a good thing. It wasn't a blessing, it was a curse. It was a curse. It was a judgment. And in the new covenant, God placed that judgment onto the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus redeemed us from the curse and the law. And under this new covenant, God is not the one who is doing these things. And yes, you can find examples in the past where God did these kinds of things. You can find examples where God will, will do these kinds of things in the future, in a, in a future, future judgment. But God is not the one causing all of this. He placed all of your judgment on Jesus Christ. And in case anybody thinks I'm talking nonsense or rubbish, listen, the scripture says in Isaiah 5.20 that in the last days, people will call good evil and evil good. And that's what's happening today. 
Like you said, people's already saying, it's okay to kill your baby. That's just a woman's free choice. To eat meat, that's bad. They got it all mixed up. And it's not only non-Christians doing this. The church realm is doing the exact same thing. Saying stuff like, it's really God that made me break my neck and made me paralyzed. Because I wasn't listening to him. And this is how God got my attention. This is how God humbles you. The church is doing the same thing. Saying that good is evil and evil is good. But listen, if you read Deuteronomy chapter 28, 1 to 4, 14, it lists the blessings that comes from serving the Lord. And there you'll find prosperity and, and health and victory in every area of your life, spirit, soul, and body. Then in verses 15 through 68, it lists what the curses are. And in there you'll find the itch and the botch and, and blasting and sickness. It says that every sickness and every disease that's not written in this book of the law, them the Lord will bring upon you until you're destroyed. So that's every sickness. It leaves none of them out. All of those things are listed on the curse side. It's like having a big chart with the blessings on one side, the curses on the other, and a big line drawn down the middle. Verses 1 to 14 is what God says are the blessings. And nowhere in that side will you find sickness or disease. Nowhere does it say that poverty uh, is called a blessing. As a matter of fact, it puts those things, sickness and poverty, on the curse side. See, Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Would you say amen to that, church? If you ever get this stuff mixed up in your head and you think that God is behind your problem, it's going to render you passive. It's going to render you not in control because if you had any sense, you wouldn't resist God. If God is the one who allowed or caused or permitted your problem, then that renders you passive. It renders you fair game for the enemy just to come in and to rob you and to destroy you and your family. So before church, you can stand up and take authority as a believer. You got to get this right in your head. You got to get it right in your heart that we have got a good God. That we have got a good God and he's only got good things planned for us. His thoughts are for peace, not of evil. And God wants to prosper you. But we also have an enemy who's no good in him. He's a liar He's a thief, he's a deceiver, he's a dirty rat. And his plans are to steal, to kill, and to destroy. If it's bad, it's from the devil. If it's good, it's from God. See, God is not the author of all the bad things that happens in your life. We need to get rid of this out of our head. That everything that happens is ordained and ordered by God. If that's true, then why are any of us doing anything? Why are we praying for anything? Why are we praying to be healed? Why are we praying for our loved ones to be saved? If everything is happening according to God's will, then everything is the way that God wants it. So why do anything? How could anybody be upset with me preaching this this morning? Because I couldn't preach it if God didn't want me to preach it. Because if it's not God's will for me to preach this message, and I am preaching this message, then there you go. God's will doesn't automatically come to pass. And you know, I can understand why some people come under this doctrine because it takes away all responsibility. You don't got to do anything. Whatever happens, it's all God. And in a way, it makes 
sense out of all the insane things that, that people do because you think that God is some mysterious way that he's just working through things that allows us to cope with it. But let me tell you, church, there's a lot of things happening in this world and seeing things that are happening in this world that is not God's will. Neither does God want it to happen or is he controlling it. There's loads of things he is controlling, but not everything. We are in a battle between good and evil and good doesn't always win because we don't always cooperate. We don't always resist the devil. And there's things that's happening, church, and there's people who are dying, and it's not God's will that they die. There's people who are suffering. There's, there's marriages that are falling apart, and it's not God's will that those marriages fall apart. There's all kinds of things happening in this world, and God is not the author of it, nor is he the one who permits it to happen. And until you get this straight, you're not going to go very far with the Lord. You're not going to see very much happen in your life, believe me. You've got to know what's of God, and you've got to know what's of the devil. And this is a starting place for you all. Once you do that, you can find out which things are under your control, what God has given you, what you're responsible for. You know, God's not the one causing all the trouble in the UK with all this terror stuff, all this kind of stuff happening. It's not a judgment on the UK. You've got to cooperate with God. You've got to welcome Him in and if you're turning away from God, I tell you now, God's going to destroy you. He's a good God. He loves you. There's a lot of things happening in the world today that God's getting the blame for, but God's not the author of it. God doesn't control you like a pawn. He gives you a free will. He's made all of his ability available to you. You've got to just take it. But it doesn't happen automatically. You've got to cooperate. You've got to learn some things, and this is one of them. You need to learn that there's some things from God, and you submit to them, and there's some things that are from the devil, and you resist them. God's will doesn't always come to pass, and the devil doesn't have to gain God's permission to do anything in your life. These are false teachings, and you've got to get them out of your head.